continuing in the parables that we find in Matthew. And a week ago, we looked at the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower taught us that not every spiritual seed that we sow in the world will take root. And many that do won't grow to maturity and bear fruit. Jesus was making it very clear to the disciples that their glorious expectations for the kingdom of heaven on earth were unrealistic. The message they were proclaiming was not going to be received by the majority. It was going to fall on deaf ears and hard hearts. And of those who did receive it, many would abandon it when it started costing them too much. Kingdom work wasn't going to be easy. It would have its rewards, obviously, but it would also have many disappointments and, and heartaches. And Jesus was teaching this to his disciples and to the multitudes who came with their own misconceptions about the kingdom. And he was doing so through the medium of parables, those earthly stories with heavenly meanings. He began with the parable of the sower. And then, without any public comment, went on to the parable of the tares and some short related parables that may also teach the fact that until Christ comes back, there will be tares in the kingdom. We begin with the parables themselves in Matthew 13, 24 through 35. He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares also among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprang up and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. And the slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. And the slave said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you're gathering up the tares, you may root up the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First, gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all the other seeds. But when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. He spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of meal until it was all leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables, and he did not speak to them without a parable. So that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. 
I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. Jesus was speaking in parables to the multitudes. But he wasn't speaking in parables to hide things. He was speaking in parables to reveal things that had been hidden since the foundation of the world. He had come to reveal the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven to those who were ready and willing to hear them. In the parable of the tares, we're told of a man who sowed good seed in his field. But after the wheat was growing, discovered that an enemy had sown tares or darnel, a degenerate wheat look-alike that is bitter and even noxious, sowed in his field. When asked by his servants if it should be pulled out, he said no. Its roots were intertwined with the wheat. If they pulled out the tares, they would also pull out some wheat. They were told to let both grow together until harvest, when they could be safely separated. The tares would then be burned and the wheat placed in the barn. That was the parable of the tares. Next, we have the parable of the mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a tiny mustard seed that grows into the largest plant in the garden. In fact, it grows into a tree large enough for birds to nest in it. That's the parable of the mustard seed. Then we have the parable of the leaven. The kingdom of heaven is said to be like leaven or yeast. In a batch of bread dough, after it's put in, it spreads throughout the dough and leavens it all. That's the parable of the leaven. And that's all that Jesus said to the multitudes. He didn't comment. He didn't explain. He didn't apply. He simply told them the parables and left them to figure out the meaning. Well, fortunately for us, however, the disciples asked for an explanation. So let's read on. Then he left the multitudes and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. And the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. And the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. Therefore, just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, 
let him hear. Jesus explained the parable, at least to some degree. He identifies himself as the one sowing the good seed. And the field, he says, is the world. It's the cosmos. The good seed are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one, sown in the world by the devil himself. The harvest is the end of the age, when he will send forth his angels to gather out of his kingdom the lawless and cast them into the furnace of fire and cause the righteous to shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. The primary message seems to be that the sons of the kingdom and the sons of the evil one will coexist in the world until Christ comes back. Many of the early church fathers also applied this to the church itself saying that the church would be a mix of wheat and tares until Christ comes back to cleanse it. And no one will deny that's true. Satan has indeed sown his seed in the church as well as in the world at large. We live in a world that's been polluted by sin. We serve in a church that's polluted by sin. And it's going to be that way until Christ comes back. When he comes back, he'll take care of it. He'll weed the garden. It's not our job to weed the garden in the world at large or in the church itself. Now, there is a time for discipline. Scripture teaches us to discipline one another or not to be pulling weeds out of the church. Or out of the world. Because we don't know the weeds from the wheat. And they're tangled together. Jesus will deal with that when he returns. That means we better expect to find things not so good in the world. And even find problems in churches. That seems to be the parable of the terrors. Now, that fact also may be seen in the other two parables as well. Now, that may surprise you because the traditional interpretation of the parable of the mustard seed is a positive one. That the kingdom of heaven, while beginning as the tiniest of seeds, would eventually become the largest tree in the garden, covering the world and providing refuge for all who come to live in its branches. That's interpretation I was taught in college. That's the traditional view that the kingdom is small, but it grows and becomes something amazing in the world. But you know, the parable might be teaching something else. Since it's presented between the parable of the tares and its explanation, it may very well have a similar meaning. 
and message. Now, everyone knows I love birds. Now, I'd have one today if it wasn't for the other half of my household. <laughs> I love birds. But Jesus did use birds in the parable of the sower to symbolize the evil one who snatches the word of God out of the hearts of men. And while it's true that the mustard plant is the largest plant in Middle Eastern gardens, it's not a tree. Could this be a picture of the kingdom becoming something it was never intended to be. Becoming a huge worldwide organization with evil birds living in its branches. Again, no one would deny that that's happened. Throughout the ages, evil men have often used a large and powerful church to advance evil agendas. People have been subjected. Property has been seized and religious wars have been fought. All in the name of the church. You know, we talk a lot these days about the Muslims. The church has a shaded history as well. Maybe Jesus was warning us about that. Maybe he was warning us about the inevitable abuse of power in the kingdom of heaven. So then we go to the parable of the leaven. Again, the more traditional interpretation is that the kingdom of heaven will silently permeate all of society and change it into something better. Now, I've used that picture many times. Saying, rather than marching the streets, we're to silently move and change the world. I think that still is an appropriate approach for the church to take. But, you know, maybe that's not the picture we should get from this parable. The kingdom has permeated society, and it has changed it into something better. Even the critics of the church will admit the positive impact Christianity has had on the world. But you know, leaven is always a picture of what in scriptures? Evil and corruption. The children of Israel were to cleanse their homes of leaven before celebrating the Passover. Jesus used it to picture hypocrisy, false teaching, and worldly compromise. Paul spoke of the leaven of malice and wickedness and warned that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. Could Jesus be warning us here that evil will permeate the church and that we shouldn't expect it to be perfect? Not yet. It's not going to be pure until Christ comes back to purify it and separate the sheep from the goats. All three parables may very well be warning us about terrors in the kingdom of heaven, preparing us for the reality of an imperfect church in an imperfect world. 
Now, that's the bad news. What's the good news? Well, the good news is that there are also treasures in the kingdom. Let's read on. (coughs) The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid. And from joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, these are positive pictures any way you look at them. And traditionally, we view ourselves as the man who finds the treasure and buys the field and the merchant who sells all to purchase the pearl of great price. And it's true. The kingdom of heaven is worth all that we have, and we gladly give up everything to possess it. But there's a problem here. We don't have the resources to buy it. The only one who can pay the price is the Son of God. Could he be the man and the merchant in the parables? I think it's possible. After all, the man who sowed good seed in the parable of the tares was identified as the son of man. And the field was identified as the world. Could this be a picture of Jesus looking at the world and seeing both wheat and tares in it, but deciding that the wheat was a treasure worth purchasing. To buy the wheat, however, he had to pay the price for the whole world. But this he did, knowing that a treasure was hidden in the field, and we are that treasure. We are the pearl of great price, that he sold all he had. He gave up all that he had to purchase the church is the pearl of great price. Now, it may not yet be perfect. After all, a pearl begins as what? A grain of sand. But throughout the years, it has changed into something beautiful, something of great value. Jesus saw the potential in us and willingly paid the price to purchase us. And then as a merchant... He didn't purchase us for himself. He purchased us for someone else. He purchased the pearl of great price to be able to present it to the king. And this he will do when he comes again. There is treasure in the kingdom of heaven. It may not be readily visible. It may not yet be fully formed, but it's there. Mixed in with the tares like good fish mixed in with the bad. Let's read on. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up on the beach, and they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age. 
the angels shall come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When a dragnet is cast into the sea, it doesn't discriminate. When it's drawn onto the beach, the fisherman isn't shocked to find undesirable fish mixed in with the good fish. He doesn't declare the catch bad because there are some bad fish in it. He focuses on the good fish. And he knows that when the time comes to sort the fish, the good ones will be saved and the bad ones will be thrown away. That's the way it is in the kingdom of heaven. Obviously, there are terrors. There are bad fish in the kingdom now. But there are also treasures. There are good fish in it. And the angels will sort it all out in the end. Until then, it's our job to just keep sowing the seed and casting the net. If we'll do that, we can rest assured that our labor will not be in vain. There will be treasure in the kingdom when Jesus returns to present it to the Father in heaven. I hope you see where this teaching is going and what it answers. How often have you had someone say to you, the church is filled with hypocrites? And we become a little defensive. Maybe we need to say, yeah, let me read some parables. Jesus knew there would be hypocrites in the church. He knew there would be tares. He knew there would be bad fish. But he also knew there were treasures there. So why don't you come and meet some treasure in the kingdom? We need to understand this. And Jesus wanted to be sure we did. He spoke to the disciples. He says, have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yeah. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings forth out of his treasure things new and old. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. And the disciples said, Sure, we got it. I doubt that they did. I really doubt that they understood everything Jesus was saying. You know, we're still trying to sort it all out 2,000 years later. But he did make it clear that a good teacher in the kingdom presents the old, old story, but isn't afraid to explore new interpretations and applications of the timeless truth revealed in God's Word. Not everyone is willing to do that. Not everyone is willing to hear it. Some feel that they've got everything all figured out and won't accept anything that challenges their assumptions and conclusions And that's too bad, because to do so may cut them off from a blessing God wants to send their way. We need to stay open. We need to approach the Scripture with fresh eyes. Not be afraid to rethink some of our previous conclusions. If we refuse to do that, we may miss something that He wants us to see. And that was certainly the case In Nazareth, they thought they had it all figured out. And it came about that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed from there. 
And coming to his hometown, he began teaching them in their synagogue. So that they became astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Is this, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and his own household. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Let's not assume that we know all there is to know about Jesus or the kingdom of heaven. Let's approach the scriptures with a desire to keep learning and to keep growing. Let's not dismiss a new interpretation just because we've never heard it before. Now, that's not to say we're to be swayed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that blows our way. But we should remain open to new insights and new applications of the truth revealed in God's Word. Our study of God's Word should never become old. It should always be fresh and new and exciting. We should approach it with a desire to learn something we didn't know. To understand something we missed before. It's an amazing book. You can never get tired of it. If you keep your eyes open. And you approach it with a heart to learn. There's so much there. So much there. And I think we may have been confronted with a truth today that may not be the most pleasant, but the truth that we're confronted with is that there will be both terrors and treasures in the kingdom of heaven until Jesus returns to purify it. It's going to be that way. Our only concern is that we be included in the treasure. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart today. Try me, O oh Savior. Know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. That's our prayer.